This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. We're heading off to a country that just like ours and in the area that we live in, well known for some excellent red wine, sitting on the border of uh, the southwestern part of Ukraine, nestled between Ukraine and Romania on Romania's northeastern border, is the country of Moldova. In the country of Moldova is a man by the name of Oleg Rutki. Oleg, good morning. A very warm welcome to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And good morning from Eastern Europe, from Moldova. Are you busy, Oleg? I can't even imagine what life must be like for you. I'm assuming there's not even much time to sleep as you are just the hands and feet of Jesus at the moment during such a difficult time. I appreciate you a lot for saying this. This is, you know, it's honor to be, it's a great honor for me and my team and the network of uh, churches that we're part of to be able to really, you know, be there on the ground to feed and the hands of Jesus to the refugees uh, from Ukraine. Oleg, you and your wife Marina are leading the New Hope Eurasia NGO. Tell us a little bit about the work of New Hope. Uh, New Hope uh, has been on the field in Eastern Europe and the former Soviet countries for about 20 years. Uh, We've been honored to serve uh, children at most risk of trafficking, exploitation, fighting for the cause of the moms. Mm. Uh, that uh, go through domestic violence, exploitation, and especially human trafficking. And, you know, this has been, uh, you know, our heart and the fire and and the passion of our heart to be able to spread the good news of the gospel among them by just loving on them and helping them get to a safe place, Mm. get to meet Jesus and meet their basic needs in order to help them to get on the path of restoration. So this has been our heart, you know, for 20 years to do together with local churches. What is happening on the ground? We are seeing news footage. We are not sure what's what to or how to feel, Oleg. We're seeing media telling us this is happening and that's happening. News headlines telling us this or that. But what's really happening with the people of Ukraine that are just trying to get and find a safe place for themselves and their families, either in Moldova or moving on into Romania? I mean, what are you actually doing every day to help these people? Thank you so much, Uh, sir. You know what? We do work inside Ukraine as well. Uh, We've been doing this for the last 10 years. uh, And uh, our ministry is uh, focused on today on those inside um, helping them with the basic supplies helping rescue and organize transport for them to be able to get out of the zones that are you know under so much fire Mm. and um, and also we're at main checkpoints where the flow of people is going through so we've been able to provide just at one checkpoint you know i was there we take shifts. My team is taking every day a shift. Mm. Just in 10 minutes, uh, one of our team of volunteers with one of our leaders is uh, going there. I was there before yesterday. My shift was on Tuesday. Um, so what, what we do is we provide uh, we provide meals uh, to those people. Mm. And um, just one checkpoint, 150,000 people just crossed what? that I was able to see and personally meet. So it's um, uh, I was sitting down. Um, a couple of ladies, uh, they came from Mari- Mariupol and mm. one from, which was coming from Nikolaev. Uh, these are cities that have been circled by Russian army. And uh, 
I'm a go-go person, you know, <laughs> right there, you know, shouting, hey, in the name of Jesus, water, hey, sandwiches, uh, oh. you know, the, diapers, kids, whatever is needed. We have tents where people can walk in as they wait for the borders to open. We're on the Ukrainian side. So I'm, I'm right there on the Ukrainian side. And mm. these, these two ladies, uh, elderly ladies, um, they're asking me, hey, hey, son, have a seat here. And I can't sit. I They're like, <laughs> please have a seat with us. So I had to really stop myself and listen to them. One of them, a principal of a, of a school. Yeah. And she's like, we've been bombarded. Um, all of, you know, they were shooting at our buses for evacuation. And in tears, uh, she said, look, for 12 days, I was in a bomb shelter. Um, and it's just been such a, such a difficult thing to listen to how her kids from her school uh, were suffering and mm. uh, how she had to find ways to support them and uh, her their families uh, in the midst of this. It's just, uh, it's bringing a lot of emotions in my heart. Of course. When I see a lot of these uh, moms and babies, because the majority of who is running are moms and babies. Men are not allowed. So then uh, at, on the other side of the border, on the Moldovan side, our volunteers are uh, helping. They're ready with uh, public, you know, just with transportation mm. uh, and then getting them to, uh, Christian shelters, Christian families, uh, churches, and uh, public shelters uh, of the government. Um, and it's been a very big effort for us to also kind of uh, loosen up the traffic jam yeah. of people coming in and then trying to help them. We send buses of people to Romania, to the Christian shelters there, uh, and then from there to the churches in the Western Europe, because that's very important for us. Human mm. trafficking it's an it's an increasing issue among these women today if they don't get in the right hands in western europe i'm i'm totally blown away by something you just said now oleg 150,000 people i mean these are people moving in these groups so we're seeing literally millions of people just trying to find some kind of respite that's going on and just a few weeks ago everybody was just going about their business kids and moms dropping kids <laughs> off at school and People going yeah. to work and going down to the grocery store and it was just life. So what are people saying in these conversations that you're having when they think about the future? Are they still hopeful? Do they think they're going to be able to return to their homes? Have, uh, are they at least a little bit hopeful about what the future might look like for themselves and for the Ukraine? You know, about 150,000, that's only for the counted for my ship. So yeah, exactly. we talk about 450,000 people just through one checkpoint. So it's almost half a million of people just through one checkpoint. So when you when you see them, ah, ah, man, I'm going to start crying just mm. in a minute. If, uh, mm. You know, um, lines of people, moms running with babies in their hands, um, babies just walking, you know, mm. uh, 10, 12 kilometers from one point to the check to the checkpoint. Uh, and uh, through forests, um, through, you know, fields, trying to run to safety. Um, but when we they stop and they stop for to take, you know, just a breath and be mm. able to take a, a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and something to eat, we ask them, um, where are their husbands? And they say, look, man, uh, my husband is back there fighting for freedom, mm. fighting for fighting for my country, for our country. So there's a lot of pain. Uh, there is definitely a lot of desperacy because, yes, 
there is uh there is bravery there is courage there mm. is hope that they will be able to return and um what we see is we see that a lot of them they say to us pray for ukraine and that's what mm. exactly we do uh we pray and we fast for ukraine but what we see also in their eyes it is a giant it's like goliath going against david yeah now what we pray for is that ukraine will be able to go in the name of the lord mm. not in their might and not in their strength but in the name of the lord and they will be victorious it's so difficult for us to sit here where I'm sitting in quite a pleasant uh, business district here of the t uh, <laughs> the town and the city in which I live, which is quite close to Cape Town, which is a fairly well-known city in the world. I can see Table yeah. Mountain from where I am, and we're all just going about our business. And I don't think any of us can fully grasp, Oleg, what it means to run for your life and to have to be separated from a spouse and just take your children and what we've seen in some photos and your pets and as many bags as you can carry without any knowledge that you'd ever be able to return, that your home will even be there and that your city, what would it look like? How do you rebuild? How in 2022 do we imagine that we could be in this place where you need to wonder if your home or your city will ever be there? How do you rebuild? Where will, you, where will your kids go to school? It's like you have to start your life over again, but you have no idea when that's going to be and if it's ever going to happen. To be so insecure, Oleg, and so unsure this must be devastating beyond any kind of understanding. You know, the devastation that is already there is going to take not only one year. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, you know, a much longer period of time uh, to restore, to rebuild. You know, Moldova has gone through something similar, mm. not exactly the same scale. But in 1992, I buried a lot of my uncles wow. uh, in you know, in a war for the eastern part of Moldova that is now occupied by the Russian army. And it's been under occupation for more than 25 years. Uh, buried them um, without a head. You know, they took their guts out. They hanged them by their guts, by, mm. you know, on the trees. I'm sorry that I go so graphic. I apologize. And, you know, what mm. they did is they split the land. So officially still part of Moldova, but unofficially, it's not. It's under, you know, Moscow's leadership. So we, we cannot, we cannot release our country. I mean, we're, you know, just get rid of the Russian army from there. It's impossible. Mm. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say by that, the moment the foothold of the Russian soldiers is there, peacekeepers, so-called peacekeepers, are going to stay for a long time. Yes. So... I'm not a prophet to predict. God is the one who knows exactly what's going to happen. But I definitely know that the footprint of Russian soldiers is in Ukraine. That's going to last for a long time. And these women, men, look, well, elderly men who were allowed to be able to, to you know, to cross the borders if mm. you were over 60, they were telling about, you know, entire apartment blocks that went like cards, wow. you know, with people inside. I mean, you talk about... You know, what you see on the news, it's not enough mm. of what I think what we as followers of Jesus, you know, understanding, um, being more neutral in some, in some ways. It's good to be able to look at different news and different sites so we can get as much information as possible. Definitely. Those cities are completely, I'm talking about 70% of some of those cities like mm. Kharkov, Kherson, Nikolaev, 
you know, farther east. Now, uh, it's just, you know, 70% of those cities are infrastructure and many other things are just completely destroyed. So it's going to take years and years of rebuilding, but also the biggest question is going to be how you get rid of the footprint of Russian soldiers. The future is so uncertain, but we need to do something. We can't sit here on the other side of the world and just nod our heads and say that's terrible and then go on with our lives. There has to be something inside of us that moves us, not only to what's happening in Ukraine, but in other areas of the world too, uh, like Syria, where these kinds of things continue. So our question to you as we close, Oleg, is as believers in Jesus, how do we pray? Because that's all we can do from where we are on our side, on literally the other side of the world. What, what else can we do besides praying and, and what can we pray for? You know, just uh, it's, it's a uh, number one, definitely it is prayer. Prayer, pray for bravery, pray for strength. Because a lot of, you know, we've been, it, we've been day, since the first day, night shifts, day shifts. Um, and it's been a lot, uh, you know, to work locally uh, inside Ukraine, uh, being able to provide uh, for the basic needs of the people uh, toward the western part of Ukraine, sh- people sh- being sheltered in churches. Mm. Pastors are desperate for food, hygienic supplies. And we guys, churches, anybody who's hearing us, please help us. This is the time of opportunity. God will bless everyone mm. who is praying and giving. It doesn't take much. So you can, you know, you can give through the radio, through the Cape Pulpit. Please mm. go to their website and give there for Ukraine. You can go to www.newhopeurasia.org. And give there, but you know, donate. Uh, just be generous because this is a kingdom opportunity to express Jesus' love. You know, by just taking care of some of the basic needs, and we give everything, everything mm-hmm. we give in the name of Jesus. You can see this on our Facebook page, where you can see, hear me how I am screaming out and saying mm-hmm. to the crowds. This is in the name of Jesus. God loves you and we care for you. And we're sorry for what happens to you. Well, you've heard it from Oleg Grudki out there in Moldova, also into Ukraine and working hard is uh, Oleg and Marina Rudki and their team doing what they can to be the hands and feet of Jesus on the ground. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.